um, get to the place of explaining this. Now, see, here is Elijah, and he comes upon Elisha. And the Bible says that he found him plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And, and I want you to understand that, that, I, that God knows, and I understand that you are in different places in your ministry, but God's not concerned about that. Can I say it again? He's not concerned about where you are right now. He wasn't concerned about where Elisha was either. So Elijah comes upon Elisha, and he's doing the normal thing that he normally does, which is he's out plowing his oxen. And, and the fact that he has oxen tells us that we understand in the Old Testament that having cattle and land meant that you were rich. Right? So here is God coming to him in his state of wealth and helping him to understand that what you have is still not enough. You can have all the money, you can have all the animals, you can have all the land, you can have the best car, the best house, you can have the best of the best, but there's a place in God that only you can get in God. Come on, amen? And so, so here is Elisha doing his thing, and Elijah comes to him, and he crashes his party, right? And so I'm coming tonight because I want to crash your party. I'm coming tonight to tell you that you don't have enough. I'm coming tonight to tell you that what you've been doing is lovely, but it's not enough. That God is requiring more of you. I'm coming tonight for a divine interruption in your life so that you can understand that in order for you to walk in the mantle and the mandate, that God has for you, you need interruption. Yes? Come on. Because some of us, we're not going to move unless God interrupts us. Some of us are going to keep doing the same thing that we've been doing every single day. We're going to pray our hour or pray for a half an hour or, you know what I'm saying, read your Bible for 30 minutes or however long you do, you know what I'm saying, and we're going to say, all right, I tick that box, at least I prayed today. But I'm going to tell you that, amen, there's a place in God that we can get lost in that it doesn't matter how long it takes for us to be in his presence. I just want to be there. Anybody want to be there? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So Elijah comes to him. Amen. And he is bringing an interruption in his life. Hallelujah. And the scripture says, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Now remember, we already said earlier that mantles represent power and authority. If you missed it earlier today, amen, make sure I have an email from you so that I can send you the recording from earlier today so you can hear this. Hallelujah. All right? Because you need to understand what God has given to you, amen, speaks to your position, speaks to the power in your life, speaks to the authority in your life, amen, and what he's called you to do, you can't do it just because you're skillful or just because you're smart or just because you're around the right people, okay? You need the power of God. Somebody say, I need the power of God. I need the power of God. So here is Elijah, he cast his mantle on Elisha and he wasn't ready. Somebody say he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. Some of y'all in here sitting here tonight and you thought you were just coming to get some teaching tonight and you're not ready. Yeah. You're not ready because the Lord sent this crazy lady from Florida to come and tell you, you got to get it together. You need to dig deeper. Come on here. Hallelujah. Amen. To tell you that you're a regular program. Hallelujah. 
go see my mom and my dad and go say goodbye. I gotta go and visit my family first. Because he understood that what Elijah was doing to him, that he could not hold on to his own way of doing things and walk with the man of God. Listen to me. If we're going to walk where God wants us to walk, you're going to have to get rid of your old stuff. I'm not telling you that some of the stuff you're doing is wrong. I'm just saying it's old. Come on. Amen. I'm just saying it's old. I'm just saying it's where God was and not where God is. Hallelujah. Amen. So he casts his mantle on him and he says, can you please let me go back again? And go and see and kiss my father and my mother. And then I'm going to follow you. That sounds like some of y'all. I'm telling you, I can hear it in the spirit tonight. That some of y'all, that God has been putting a requirement on you. Hallelujah. And you keep telling God, I need to do this first. I need to do that first. Let me finish this first. And then I'm going to follow you. Let me do it like this first. And then I'm going to be obedient to what you're saying. Hallelujah. And then Elijah looks at him and says, wait a minute. I must have got the wrong man. That's the translation. That's Fran 101. I'm translating for you. Okay? Right? He's saying to him, wait a minute. Uh-uh. What did I do to you? Go ahead and go back. Go ahead and go back. And how I know that Elijah was leaving him and that he almost missed this place of walking with the man of God is that the scripture says that after he burned the yoke, he had to go chase the man of God and find him. Oh, we, how many of us have almost missed the move of God? Listen, hallelujah. We think we got, I got time. And God is saying, I need you to get rid of that old stuff. I'm casting a new mantle on you. I'm giving you something that you thought that you already had. And he's trying to show you that, no, you don't have it. I need to give you some more. Hallelujah. Somebody say, give me more, God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he says, let me go kiss my father and mother. Then I'm going to follow you. And he said, go on back again. Go ahead. Bye. For what have I done to thee? And the scripture says, verse 21, and he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them. Listen to the scripture. And he took a yoke of oxen and he slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave to the people, and then they did eat. And then it says, then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered to him. I need you to see the prophetic thing in this scripture. Some of us have read this over and over again, and we still didn't see what God was doing. And for Elisha, he had to burn the yoke. He had to kill everything he had so that he would have nothing to go back to. Nothing. And some of us have our little safety things, you know, the little things that we hold on to, even though God said, I'm calling you higher, I'm calling you to do more, I want you to fast and pray some more. Come on, how many of y'all can hear God calling you to fast and pray, right? But you hear the kitchen calling you. Come on. Right? Are y'all, are y'all, are y'all still over here and, and, and you, you're, you're, you're eating all of your, your native food, Right? Why are you still here and that food calling you to the table? Right? Listen, I get hunger pains too when God is calling me to a fast. But you got to understand that there's something that you get from the presence of God that you got to burn everything behind you. 
everything. Hear what God is saying. The scripture says that Elisha burned the yoke, he killed the oxen, and he fed it to everybody. He said, in essence, what he was saying was, my wealth means nothing if I don't have God. In essence, he was saying, my safe place with my mother and my father is nothing if I don't have God. He was saying that I would rather have God than have these things. Come on here, somebody. So this is for us a challenge, and I don't know what your yoke is. We know when we start talking about in deliverance, in the ministry of deliverance, a yoke is bondage. So whatever it is that keeps you bound, and I understand I'm talking to leaders, but just because we're leaders, that don't mean that we don't have things that we're still dealing with. Come on. And so there are things that get in in our way as leaders. And so whatever your yoke is, you have to decide that you're going to lay that thing aside. That you're going to give it to God. And you're not going to hold on to it. You're not going to make no more excuses for why you're not obeying God. And listen to me. I've been doing ministry for a long time. Right? And one of the things that I've learned about leaders is that we know how to put on a good face. Right? We know how to lift our hands the right way. We know how to shout hallelujah the right way. Come on. Hallelujah. And then nobody knows that we're still battling. Come on. Hallelujah. We know how to come in when it's prayer time and we put our head down and we yell and scream in the power and the presence of God. Right? But yet we haven't burned our yoke. We haven't let that stuff go that God wants us to let go so that we can walk with God and God alone. Hallelujah. And so and so Elisha knew that if he was going to follow Elijah, because him having that mantle cast on him, right? Remember I told you, your mantle carries a mandate. So he understood, if I'm going to take this, this mantle, if I'm going to follow this man of God, then I know I got to be serious with God. Yeah. Right? Some of us have been following God, but we're not serious. Maybe we started out serious. But we lost it a little bit along the way. We got lazy. Come on. Right? How many of y'all remember when you first gave your life to Christ? When you first got saved, you were on fire for God. Come on. On fire. And then we started living life. And things started happening to us. And the embers in our fire started going out. And some of us have little smoldering flames. And we still think we're on fire. Mm-mm. Come on, we need to put some wood on that fire tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to put some wood on this fire. And so here's Elijah. He's understanding the weight behind the call of God on his life. And he says, very good. I'm going to burn all of this stuff. I'm not, I'm not going to have anything to go back to. He had to think about this. What am I going to do? Am I going to follow this man? Or am I going to stay over here with my mother, my father, in my comfort zone? Am I going to stay in this place that is easy for me? Where, where I know all of my needs are met. I don't know, I'm not struggling over here. I don't have no problems over here. It's easy street. All I got to do is get out here and plow this field with these oxen. And really, I'm just walking in front of them because the oxen are doing all the work. Mm. But what about when God calls you to the work? Right. Hallelujah. You got to do the work that the ox was doing. Right. And we're not, we're not readily running into that. Right? And so the scripture says in the latter part of the 21st verse, it says, Then he arose, and he went after Elijah, and he ministered unto him. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, can we do a favor? Do me a favor. Can you go up to the 13th verse? I'm staying in 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. And I want to look at verse 13 through 16. And I want to tell you how you get this anointing in your life. Right? And so all of you are here. You have your ministries and you are connected in some way. And, and you know, one of the things that I don't know how any of you think about it. Let me explain. When I was growing up in the church, right, and when, when I got saved and I was sitting under my leaders, one of the things that they shared with me was the importance of sitting under a man of God or sitting under a woman of God. And being able to have a man of God or a woman of God in your life that can see further than you can see. Yes? Right? Because the reality is, is we don't we don't know it all. Right? And so we need somebody that can see further than us. We need people that can be, we can be accountable to. We, we need people that can pour into us and teach us and train us and help us to, to walk in the places that God has, you know, has called us to walk in. And that's this ministry of, of Elijah and Elisha. And that is, if we're going to see that happen again, we're going to have to do a return to Malachi chapter 4. Right? The hearts of the fathers are going to have to turn back to the sons, and the hearts of the sons got to turn back to the fathers. If we're going to see a move of God, we're going to have to learn, amen, that I don't have it all. Somebody else has something that I need. I need to go sit down and receive from them so that I can fulfill my call. Yes, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus, but there's a man of God and there's a woman of God somewhere that I got to sit down and receive from them. Just like this, Elijah and Elisha. This is not just a story in the Bible. First of all, I don't call the things that we read in the scripture stories. They are accounts. Because a story can be a lie. An account is a, is a legal writing of something that has been amen, captured and we have proof that it happened. Amen? So this account of Elijah and Elisha, right, is a, is a prophetic sign to us. It is a... Um, um, it, it, it's a pattern for us to follow amen. so that we will be able to receive. Let's read the 13th verse. I want to show you, amen, if you really want a mantle, what does it look like? Read verses 13 through 16. What does it say? And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint Shall make to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. Amen. So let's look at these verses because we talked a little bit and I hit at this earlier today, right? Um, when we were talking about Elijah and Elisha. So before Elijah gets to Elisha to anoint him in his stead, God gives him instruction because, of course, Elijah is sitting in the cave. And, and he is he is sulking because, because he's afraid of Jezebel. He's sulking. He just had his greatest victory, right? 
He just had his greatest victory. And then Jezebel starts running her mouth. And he gets afraid and runs from her and goes and hides in the cave. How many of y'all know that ministry sometimes can be lonely? Yes. Yes. Ministry sometimes can be lonely. And sometimes you're going through stuff in your mind and nobody else knows that you're sitting in that cave. Like Elijah. And Elijah, right, is sitting here in this cave and God gives him instructions. And the angels of the angel of the Lord, amen, comes to him and gives him instruction, right, in verse, in verse 13. And verse 13 says he came and he stood in the entrance of the cave. Sometimes we are looking at the way out, but don't know how to get out. We've been doing what God said to do. We seem like we were making headway, building the ministry, doing the things that God told us to do. And sometimes we get in our flesh. What do we get in? Our flesh. And we start thinking that the reason why something is not working is because we didn't do something that we should have done or we can do better or we can do more. And what we have to understand is this is not about us. Ministry is not about us. It's about God. Amen. It doesn't matter if you have 50 people, 5 people, or 500 people. It matters that you follow God's instructions. Amen. And I'm going to tell you what's in your mantle. Now, we talked about earlier that your mantle is, you know what I'm saying, your tool belt. But before God starts giving you your, the things that you need to be able to function in ministry, he breaks us down. Anybody ever been broken by God? Look at Elijah. This right here is typical pastoral ministry. Even though he was a prophet, this is typical pastoral ministry. You find yourself in caves. You win victories. God blesses you. The ministry is going strong. And then boom, something hits you and you find yourself in a cave. And you're murmuring and you're complaining. God, what is it? What do I need to do? I thought I had this together. And then something goes wrong and then you start, you know, getting depressed and feeling down about it. And God has to call you out of your cave. Right? Hallelujah. And so here the scripture says, and Elijah, verse 13, heard it. This was when the, the, the Lord passed by him, right? In the, in the thunder, the Lord passed by him in the earthquake. And then the Lord passed by, amen, in the still small voice. Hallelujah. And the scripture says, he wrapped his face in his cloak, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I'm asking you leaders, what are you doing here? What are you doing here tonight? What are you doing in the place, not even talking about geography, but spiritually, what are you doing here? Are you fulfilling what God told you to do? Or are you looking to yourself for success in ministry, whatever that means? Listen, success is seeing people walk with God. Success is not numbers. Can I say it again? Success is seeing people walk with God. Success is not numbers. Why am I telling you that? Because you're here in America and that's what America trying to make us all think. That success is numbers. That's not, I mean, that's not the end all be all. You can have numbers and then people are not walking with God. Some people have humongous churches and these people don't have any relationship with God. 
I'm going to get to the meat and the potatoes for a minute, but I understand that there are some things when it comes to pastoral ministry, it doesn't matter if we do it in America or we do it on the moon. It's the same thing. It just has a different spirit on it or a different, a different face on it. Amen? So here he says, the Lord says, then what are you doing here? And, and some of us have to answer this question for ourselves. What are you doing? Are you following God's instructions? So when he wrapped his face in his mantle, right, this is the same mantle that he threw on Elisha, the same anointed garment, right? Right? This mantle not only represented Elijah's anointing and his ministry, but I'm going to tell you a couple of things that was also in his mantle. That if you got a mantle from God for real, you got this in your mantle. Number one, it was, your, it was his tears, this mantle had his tears. This is, the, this is the cloak that he took with him into his prayer closet. This is the cloak that, amen, he had on him when he was up on that mountain, amen, and confronted those prophets of Baal. This is the same cloak that he had on him while he was in the cave. What do you think he was doing in the cave? Crying. Woe is me. Dealing with whatever issues. Remember I told you, we all got a yoke. But you got to address it. And instead of him going to God, right, and keeping his eyes on God, he started looking at himself. Hallelujah. And how many of y'all know the answer's not in you, the answer's in God? Amen. Yes. So what is in his mantle? Number one, his tears, his breath, and his scent. His tears, his breath, and his scent. And all of those things represent something. Right? What do his tears, Elijah's tears, and this is why we need a man of God or a woman of God in our life. All of this stuff is connected. We're talking about impartation. In order for us to receive impartation, you got to know what you're getting. You got to know what you're getting. And Elisha understood when Elijah threw this cloak on him, he knew that this was the cloth that this man took with him everywhere. It was with him for the life of his ministry. So he knew he wasn't just throwing a blanket on him. He was throwing the weight of every test that he had been through on him. He was throwing the weight of every prayer that he had prayed when he was in the presence of God. He was throwing that on him. Every time he was fasting and in the presence of the Lord, he was throwing that on Elisha. That's why Elisha was like, wait a minute, I don't know. Let me go say bye to my family first. Come on. So your tears, these are your victories and your failures. You can't lead people unless you understand what it means to fail. Yeah. And sometimes you fail big. Come on here. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you feel like you heard from God, but it don't work out. Yeah. Listen, you, if you don't feel like you failed anywhere, keep walking with God, okay? You're going to find it. Or it's going to find you. But what you got to understand is that failing does not make you a failure. That's right. It just means that you got to go back to the drawing board and start again. So his tears were his victories and his failures. He could not pour into Elisha without those tears. He could not be the man of God that mentored him and poured into him and helped prepare him for, to step into his shoes unless he had gone through those tears, unless he had faced those 
failures and those victories. Those failures and those victories are what anoints you. Can I say it again? That's where your anointing is. You might not like it, but that's where your anointing is. There are things that I've had to cry about that I felt like, Lord, why do I have to go through this? I couldn't be standing here tonight if I hadn't gone through those things. I couldn't go and do the things that the Lord called me to do unless I've had those failures and those victories. And if you want God to use you, amen, and you want impartation, right, and you want to carry your mantle, you got to be able to face your failures and your victories. We like victory, but we don't like failure. Amen. Amen. Number two, what do we say? His breath. Right? When it was cold outside, he would wrap that mantle around his face. Scripture says that he rose up and he wrapped his face in the mantle. So he's breathing into this mantle. And all of his breath is in this mantle. What does his breath represent? His breath represents his strengths and his weaknesses. In the midst of everything that he's going through, right? He's still breathing into this mantle. He's praying through his difficulties. The things that he was facing that chased him into the cave. He's breathing these things into this mantle. And this is where this anointing comes from. This is where, amen, glory to God, hallelujah, he's able to smite the water and the water parts because he's breathed into this mantle. You, we're not going to see great things until we learn how to suffer great things. Yes. Come on. If we're going to walk in these end times, if we're going to be able to experience the power of God, we need broken men and women who are willing to pour their lives out for the glory of God and then pour their lives into the lives of other people. We're not going to get this just having cute church. Come on. Amen. So it was his strengths and his weaknesses. And then it was, amen, his scent. What was his scent? His tests and his trials. What was, what was he going to give to Elisha? When he was telling Elisha to follow him, right, what was he going to give him? The experience from his tests and his trials. When he was casting that mantle on him, he was helping him to understand there are things that I have gone through that you never have to face because I did it for you. Mm-hmm. Right? The experience of leaders who have gone through a, a, ahead of us, who have already experienced difficulty and trial and hurt and brokenness, right? They can teach us from those things. But well, we got to take the time to sit at their feet. Amen. So I say sit at their feet. Right? And these are things, when we start talking about impartation, these are things that are transferred into your life from your leader. These are things that are transferred as you are leading the people that God has called you to lead. This is what you're transferring into them. Your strengths and your weaknesses. Your tests and your trials. Every victory and every failure. You are helping them to see that what God did for me, he will do for you. But unless you are willing to burn what's behind you. Unless you're willing to really give up everything for God. That's the hard part for us. It sounds good when we say it, but then when God is making us really do it, and he's bringing us to the chopping block to ask us, how much are you willing to give up for me? I'm calling you for a fast for 21 days. And we're like, oh my God, fast, 21 days. Let me look at my calendar. I think I'm going to a wedding. Let me see what's going on. 
Why is it that we don't plan our life around the things that God has called us to do? Come on. When's the last time you got up out of your sleep at 3 a.m. and just got in the presence of God? Not because you were going through hardship, but just because you were longing for the presence of God. I was sharing with the church while we were in Kansas. I was sharing with the church there, right, that Jesus said, because the, the, the John's disciples were asking, how come we're fasting and your disciples are not fasting? They got mad about it. Because here they are fasting. John got them on a the fast. John is in prison and still telling them, y'all need to be on a fast. Here the disciples walking with Jesus and they're eating. Why are your disciples not fasting? We over here starving and they out here eating. What's wrong with them? And Jesus answered them, and the answer is odd. But Jesus answers them and tells them, as long as the bridegroom is with them, they won't, they won't fast. He said, but when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will. He doesn't just say fast. He says mourn. Which is peculiar language. Why are you saying that? Because he's helping them understand that there should be a longing for him that we are missing. When you can't touch God, when you don't see God, you should be longing for God. Right? And we talked about the fact that sometimes, you know how you do, you, you've ever experienced anybody in your life passed away? You long for that person, you cry because you miss them. That's what pushes us into prayer. When you long for God because you miss him, or do you not miss God? Have you not been there yet? Have you not grown to that place yet? Where you miss the presence of God? You miss being in his presence? You miss seeking him? That's what this is, those tears, right? Those victories, those, those losses, those tests, those trials. These are things. If we're going to see this overflowing and refreshing, if we're going to see this, we first have to get in the presence of God. You first got to long for God if you're going to experience God. You hear this? God is not just going to come down and just make everything snap his fingers, just make everything. Here we go, have it. There is a longing that precipitates a move of God. There is a hunger and a thirst for him, right? And so if we're going to be able to have these mantles, these anointings, these impartations, to be able to carry this ministry, to be able to carry what the Lord is has called us together to do, then that means that we have got to be able to take these mantles and wrap our face in these mantles and be ready to transfer everything that we have experienced to the lives of those that we lead. Are you doing that? Preaching on Sunday is not just about getting a good message. You are imparting. What I'm doing right now is not just teaching. I'm imparting. If you're willing to catch it. Because you might be sitting in your seat saying what Elisha said. Let me go back over here because I'm going to see my mom first. Or are you eating this word? Are you accepting this challenge that says to you, I've got to do more. I've got to get in the presence of God. What I'm doing is nice. It's, it's what I'm supposed to do, but it's not enough. 
Because I know that God wants more for me. So if I'm going to be able to have the power of God in my life, right, I got to stop talking about power and start reaching for power. I got to stop saying I know that God has anointed me and position myself so that he can anoint me. I got to stop saying that I love God and start living like I love God and praying like I love God and preaching like I love God. It should ooze out of everything that I do. Everything about my life should challenge the people that I come in contact with. Does your Christianity challenge the people in your circle? Or are they okay where they are? I'm talking about mantles. What kind of mantle? What are you carrying? What do you have that's worthy of, of being imparted into the life of somebody else? Have you received anything that you can impart into somebody else? Or are you just pastoring because that's what you feel like is the thing that you're supposed to be doing? Are you just preaching because, oh, it fell on me? Let me talk about that for a second. Because I often tell people, you didn't be preaching today. Guess what? I did not think I was going to ever preach. You know what I thought I was going to be? A housewife and a mom. I thought that was my call. Housewife and mom. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to raise my kids. I'm going to follow my husband, and that's what I'm going to do. Until the Lord interrupted me and threw a mantle on me. Hallelujah. Amen. Interrupted my whole life. When the Lord started speaking to me about preaching and traveling and, and building ministries, you know what I did? I cried. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do with my kids? Because my kids was everything. Right? For me, that was my yoke. Why was that a yoke for me? Because I didn't want to do anything outside my kids. My whole life was consumed with my kids. Where y'all want me to go? Y'all need something? What are we going to do? I mean, it was like mom extraordinaire. I homeschooled all of my kids. Because I wanted to make sure they got a good education. I wanted to make sure that the world didn't poison them. I wanted to make sure, you know what I'm saying, that they got the word in their heart. Right? And here's God interrupting my schedule. This is good what you're doing, friend, but I got a little bit more for you to do. Wow. And sometimes we can never see ourselves outside of what we're already doing because we think we've already stepped into what God has for us. But my question to you is, what is God challenging you with? What is he challenging you with? Maybe we'll yell and scream tomorrow, but tonight I want you to think. Tonight... When you go home tonight, I want you to go to God and ask God, what is it that you want from me? Why did you throw this mantle on me? Why did you call me to the ministry? What is it that you want me to do? Or are you satisfied where you are? Do you know how many satisfied Christians are sitting in chairs at churches? Satisfied with living status quo lives. Satisfied with not having a prayer life that's on fire. Satisfied with not having a fasting life. Satisfied with I'm going to church and I'm going to spend a couple of hours at church and I did my, my Christian duty. Satisfied with I did go witness to somebody so I did tell somebody about Jesus but I'm not doing anything else. Anything outside my comfort zone I'm not doing. I'm satisfied. So what are we going to do? God is throwing something on your life. What are you going to do with it? Are you just going to be like the last church 
or like the churches that you have seen in other places? Are you going to be the bride who has made herself ready for her room? That your, your, your gown is unspotted by this world? You got your heart on fire for God? What are you going to do? This is Elijah. His mantle was his tears, his victories and his failures, his strengths and his weaknesses and, and his tests and his trials. This is how God is anointing us. We talk about being anointed. There's no anointing without tests and trials. There's no anointing without your life being broken. There's no impartation into the lives of other people if you don't take what God has given you in your life and turn it around for his glory. You don't take your pain and let God show you the purpose of what you've experienced. And I can sit here and tell you long stories about all of the hell that I've been through and all of the things that I've had to face and all of the family members that I've had to bury and all of the depression I've had to overcome and all of the straight jackets that I've been in and all of those things. But every single thing that I've faced in my life, God was preparing a mantle. Everything that you have faced, every tear that you have cried, every burden that you have carried has been about this mantle. That's how serious God is about making you ready. That's how serious he is about having a prepared people that can carry the glory of God. Anybody want to carry the glory of God? Yes. Anybody, just a couple of people? Listen to me. I don't know what you was expecting when you came this evening, but I told you I was coming to crash the party. I was coming because I need you to think. I need you to position yourself for what God is calling you to do. This, what we look at and say, this is church, let's, let's clean the slate, but let's start from scratch and ask God, what do you require of me? What do you require of me? We sing a song. There is more than I require of thee. God is asking you now. He's telling you. There's more that I'm requiring. But you got to get under the weight of it. You want the anointing? Very good. You want the power of God? Very good. Are you willing to suffer for that? There's no power without suffering. There's no glory of God without suffering. There's no anointing of God without suffering. You might not like it, but that's God's preparation. It's how he prepares us to carry the glory of God. And once we have been broken, once we have been positioned, once God knows that he can trust us with what he's placing on our life, then he'll start putting more in our hands. We want the mantles, but we don't want to have to deal with the mandate that comes with it. We don't want to have to deal with all of the tests and the trial that comes with it. We don't want to have to deal with the weight of the responsibility that comes with it. And I'm coming to charge you tonight that if you want what God has for you, you got to get up from where you are. You got to get in this place of prayer. You got to get under the weight of the glory of God that God is calling you to. And stop making excuses and start walking where he's calling you to walk. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. We got to stop talking about it and start what we say back home. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Meaning, stop saying you're going to do it and get up and do it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 
so that we can walk into the hospitals and empty out the hospitals. Lay hands on the sick that they might recover. Hallelujah. That we will cast devils out. That we will see lives transformed by the power of God. Are you hungry for God like that? Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet. Father, we say thank you tonight. We say thank you tonight for your goodness and your mercy. We say thank you tonight, God. Hallelujah for the challenge. We talked about the fact earlier today that Jesus said that greater works will we do because he's going to the Father. Help us, God. How are we going to do greater works when we have not positioned ourselves? Help us today, Father, in the name of Jesus. God, we ask you to be glorified in our midst on tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to just begin to let your heart cry out to God tonight. This is between you and God. This between you and the Lord. Listen, in, in my time zone, it's 11 o'clock. So, if I'm standing up here in full strength, right, I'm going to need you to press in with me just for a few minutes. Press in with me for a few minutes. Come on, let's begin to talk to the Lord for a minute. I want you to talk to God. Hallelujah. Father, we need you tonight. God, we need the glory of God to rest on our life. We need the power of God to rest on our lives. God, we don't want to be in church as usual, Father, but we want your anointing, God, that destroys every yoke to rest upon our lives. God, we are asking you tonight, Lord, that we, oh God, hallelujah, would embrace the tests, the trials, the issues, the problems, whatever it is that is facing us in this life because we want to be what you want us to be, God. We want to walk under the weight of the anointing. We want to be able, oh God, to walk as sons of God in the name of Jesus. We want a longing for Jesus down in our inner man, Father God. And so, Lord, we're asking you that you would help us tonight. Help us, Lord, let this word that we've heard go down in our inner man, Father God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, that we, oh God, would not make excuses. Hallelujah. We don't want to just be a gifted church. We want to be an anointed church. We want to be a church that's on fire for God. We want to be a praying church. We want to be a fasting church. Do it in us, Father, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Help us, Father, to deserve the times that we are in to hear your voice, to walk where you're calling us, to answer the call, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Come on, I need you to cry out to God because I was watching some of you and I can see how God is pulling on you. I can see how God, amen, hallelujah, as the word was going forth, that word was plucking your heart, that word is dealing with you. Now come on and tell God yes to this word, yes to what you want to do with me, mighty God. God is yes to you. Yes to the will of God. Yes to fresh oil. Yes to this anointing. Yes to this impartation. Yes, Father, for your glory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, mighty God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, give us endurance that we will be able to endure that we will endure in prayer. That we will endure in fasting. That we will endure.
Hallelujah. We've allowed the cares of this life to lull us to sleep. We've allowed the cares of this life to steal our zeal. We've allowed the cares of this life to steal the fire of God and put the fire of God out of our life. God, we want to burn again. We want to burn in the fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We want the power of God in our life. God, do it in us, Jesus. Do it in us, Jesus. Come on, ask him to do it. I don't want to go home the same way I came. Over this word, I said I want this word to work in me. I want the power of God to work in me. I want the spirit of God to work in me. Oh, my son.
Word. He 
tonight. Whatever you want to do with us, the thing that you saved us for, the thing that you brought us to this place for, the thing that you delivered us from sin for, the thing that you saved our very lives from death for, God, we say yes. And your will be done in us. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, come on, tell them, but your will be done. Not my will. Listen, you ain't got to feel nothing. I just need you to say it. Not my will, but your will be done. Hallelujah. Not my will, but your will. I want to be the flame of God in the earth. Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus, your will be done. 
Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart.